welcome back to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and with me is my uh, guest and, of course, my co-host, Martin Nunley. And we got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right back into it and let's uh, let's continue. Thank you. And what about the other creatures that you saw later? Did they have the same type of human human-like head or different? They were they're, they're the ones I seen. I'm, I can tell you the encounter I had was by accident, complete accident. But there was a place on the Cumberland River that I had fished for years since I was a little boy, even with my, my dad and my, my uncles and even my friends from high school. We would go there after baseball or football practice and, and fish in the evening, even fish the, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning a lot of times on the weekends. And it's on the Cumberland River, and we would park in our old sewer plant, and we then we'd have to walk a trail all the way down behind it. Uh, we knew the people that that uh, worked there, and they didn't mind us parking back there. And nobody hardly fished back there but us, because I really don't think people knew that you could fish back there. But we parked there, and then we'd have to walk down this trail, and it was pretty clearing pretty clear trail you could see where you were going until you got down to the spot we fished and you had to uh when you got to that it was kind of like a you know the river's kind of a mud bank that goes all the way down this particular spot was a mud bank and and on top that we sat on and then it kind of went down maybe a good five or six feet before it got to the water and then it was part of a sandbar sticking up that attached to it that went out into the river that disappeared. It was kind of a little point that we fished on, but it was about 300 yards roughly uh, back in there till we got to the spot. And uh, I'd actually, like I said, been fishing there for a lot of years, uh, even as even as a kid, nine or ten years old. I went there with my dad to fish and my uncles, but that was my second encounter. I was, I went out and my dad was supposed to go with me that day, but he decided he wasn't feeling real good and he was just going to stay home. So I went to the spot to fish and I parked my, my, my car at that time. I had a car and I got my gear and I walked down the trail. I got to my spot and I had a styrofoam minnow bucket that I always carried with minnows in it. And I went down there and I was fishing, got set up and everything, and got my poles out, and I had my lunch with me and a, a minnow bucket behind me, and I was uh, sitting in a lounge chair, those white lounge chairs, and I caught a fish, and I'd walk down the bank. You have to kind of walk down the bank toward the sandbar to reel it in, because if you don't, you'll put it across a bunch of roots sticking out of the bank and you'll get it tangled up so i usually walk down there when i was catching one and i came back and my minnow bucket was gone come back to i had some worms with me and i had some minnows that i fished with down there and i got to looking for my minnow bucket and i couldn't find it anywhere and i walked around the bank and walked down the bank a little bit didn't see it anywhere couldn't figure out what happened to it and uh it was kind of strange how the bucket just vanished, but I never did find it. So I fished a little longer with just uh, regular red worms that day, and then I packed up and went back. And 
kind of stayed on my mind what could have happened to it because it just disappeared. And I'm, <clears throat> a couple of days later, well, what a couple of days, probably about a week later, I'm guessing, I was back and I had another minute bucket and I went to the same spot. I was by myself again. Um, I had a buddy of mine that was supposed to come down later, and he did come down later that day, but I was already there. And I was fishing again that day, and uh, I caught another fish and went down the bank and come back, and my the lid was off my minibucket. And it was just a little styrofoam minibucket that had a wire handle on it that you carried it with. And... Uh, I thought that was kind of strange because there wasn't any wind blowing or anything else. So I started thinking, well, somebody's in here and they're playing a joke on me or something. They're moving my, taking my bucket, the lid off or something. So didn't think much about it. My buddy came down that day and he and I fished and uh, he, he stayed three or four hours and he hit it on back and they weren't really biting that good that day. And I stayed. And uh, it was pretty close to dark, and this was in the springtime. Uh, a storm started coming in. Uh, I could see a storm coming. It was getting kind of windy, and I could tell it was about to probably become a thunderstorm. And the, the water was, I could tell it by the water, too, the way the wind was blowing on it. And I went down to the bank to get my stringer, my fish stringer that I tied off down there, and my fish, and I came back, and my minnow bucket was gone. The whole thing was gone like the first time that I was down there that it disappeared. And I started thinking, now, this is really strange. I've lost one minnow bucket, so I'm thinking, well, maybe the wind blew it in because the wind was blowing pretty hard. And I looked down the river and around the bank. I did not see anything. And those styrofoam buckets are not going to sink. They're going to float. Well, I never found that one. And uh, the next time, I, I went out, went ahead and packed my stuff up and went on. And I was down there again a couple weeks later and brought another minute bucket. Well, this time when I brought it, I had tied a string, a small rope, not really a string, onto the wire part of it where you pick it up with. And I took that string and tied it around a tree that was behind the minute bucket where nothing could drag it off or take it. And uh, continued fishing. And uh, I was fishing by myself this day too. Um, fished for a good while and had a pretty good day. Caught quite a few fish. And I went back to get a caught a fish, and I went down the bank like I normally do, and I put it on the stringer, and I came back up and with my fishing pole and hook, and I went to I went to get a minnow, and my minnow bucket was like something had pulled it. There's a little trail there that continues going that you can walk on down the side of the river, but it's a it's it's real hard to go any further because it gets real thick, a lot of ivy and trees and tree limbs, and it's just real thick. It's hard to get through there. I'd tried to walk down there before, and it's just too hard to walk down there, especially with your equipment because it's so thick with undergrowth. But the trail led down into that area, and this whatever it had 
I couldn't figure out what had happened, but something had, t- had taken the minnow bucket and went, tried to go down the trail with it, and the string was pulled from the tree tight to the minnow bucket. And the minnow bucket was tipped over just a little bit, and there was water on the trail spot there, quite a bit of water where it spilled out of the bucket, and just about all the minnows were gone. So I started thinking, well, somebody's playing some kind of, somebody's here, and they're taking my minnows, and I had never thought that it was a preacher. Uh, something is, somebody's here playing a joke, or somebody's watching me or something and uh so i went and got the bucket and brought it back and when i looked down this area is kind of muddy anyway like the river banks are i'm not talking about muddy where you, you get on down next to the water now you'll get in deeper mud but this is kind of a muddy area just walking around and leave your footprints and that water had spilled on that little trail and it's kind of it's mainly dirt it's not any grass in it. There's some sticks and things like that in it, but it's mainly dirt. And when I looked down that trail, I started thinking, what could have pulled my minnow bucket? And I looked around the trail there, and I seen a footprint. And it uh, was just a little ways from where the minnow bucket had been pulled to with the string tied. And that string was probably about five feet from the tree to the bucket. And it had pulled it as far as it could, whatever it was. And I seen a, a track, and it looked like a, a human foot track, actually. It wasn't like a size 20 or anything crazy like, I, like I've actually seen out in the woods when I, when I did a lot of uh, research. And, and um, I thought that was kind of strange. I thought, well, somebody is... You know, this is not in the middle of nowhere where I'm talking about I'm fishing. This is, it's in the country, but it's awful close to a, a, a mall and everything else. I'm within five miles from a mall and uh, a populated area. And, uh, of course, it's really thick and it's all grown up. You go down that riverbank, it goes for miles. And there's just lots of acres with, with nothing in there but but undergrowth. And uh, when I seen that track, I knew then that somebody was down there. I didn't think it was a preacher or it was a Bigfoot. I thought somebody was down there and they were trying to get my minnows. So um, I got to looking down the trail and I looked around and I actually crawled down in there a little ways. I couldn't walk down in there. and. I've seen more tracks, but I didn't go any further. I went ahead and got my stuff, and I left. So the next time that I came down there was probably a few days because I was real curious to see what this was or who was doing this. So this time I brought my gun with me, my shotgun, and uh, my equipment and set up and everything. And uh, I put my minnow bucket the same place with a stru- with a rope on it, and I was really more trying to see what was getting my minnow bucket than I was fishing. And I got me, I got everything set up like I was fishing. <clears throat> and something caught my eye. I don't know, kind of like your 
peripheral vision to the, I was facing the river and to my left is where the trail was. Something caught my eye and I looked down the trail real quick and I seen this creature down on it, kind of crouched down, down the trail. It was probably maybe, I couldn't see real far down in there because it been around. It was a pretty good ways down, maybe, maybe 40 or 50 yards. And I seen a creature that was, it was kind of crouched down and it was looking out of the brush at me and then it would sway back in with its head. And I knew then what I was looking at. It was a big threat. <clears throat> and immediately I got scared because I remembered back seven years before. But this creature didn't look like the one I'd seen before. It just swayed out of the brush and it was, had one foot on the trail and it would, it was crouched and I could see part of its, the lower part of its body, but I couldn't see its, I could see the lower part, but not actually the chest. I could just see the head because it was in the brush and it would sway out and look at me and go back in. So I had my gun with me. <clears throat> And, uh, I walked down in there about as far as I could go about where I'd seen it setting. And that was hard to get to because it was so low. The brush, it was, it was so, I was too tall to get to where it was at and, uh, without crawling on my hands and knees. And, uh, I seen over in the bushes to my left, real close to where the creature was, was my minute bucket that I'd lost. And the top was on the other side, laying on the ground. And then I looked to the right, and there was the other minibuckie that I'd lost. I, I felt like these were my minibuckies. They looked like the ones I'd lost. And then I knew then, these were, this is what had gotten my minibuckie. But this was not a huge one. This was more like a juvenile-type creature. It wasn't a, a, a full-grown one. Uh, I'm guessing I, it never stood up. I didn't see that, but but it wasn't a real big one. But it definitely looked different than the first one I'd seen. It was more like the patty type that I was talking about. Uh, it was not as dark black. It was black, but it was more. It was between black and brown. And uh, so then uh, my thought was, well, it, you know, these are. There's Bigfoots in here. I had no idea that they would have lived in there, but they did. So I came back the next day without my fishing gear, and I brought a little piece of wood that I cut with a saw, and uh, there was a tree banging there pretty close to where I could stand up before I had to duck down, and it had limbs on the bottom, and I actually put, it was, the limbs are fairly low to the ground, so I put that piece of wood on the tree, and I wedged it in there real good where it was tight with that piece of wood, and I had a little—it had little edges on it where nothing would roll off. And I put uh, several apples, and I believe I put a banana there, and uh, and I left. And uh, right below that, I checked the ground before I left. It was fairly muddy uh, enough where I could see track something track did it so uh, uh, 
came back the next day and uh, all the fruit was gone. And there was a lot of tracks right below the uh, tree there, mud track, pretty good tracks, good enough to cast. I wish I had to cast them, but I didn't. I don't even think I knew where to get casting material at that time. But I knew there was one there. I didn't know any was there. So I started gifting these creatures. Uh, I was going there uh, sometimes every other day, sometimes every day. I was making a trip down there in the morning. I'd go early in the morning. And uh, I gifted these things for a pretty good while. I, I'm, over a year, I was going down there. Sometimes I would get busy and I'd skip a week and then I didn't go back daily. And I found out what kind of stuff they liked and what they didn't like. And uh, um, I actually ended up seeing three down there. I never seen one that was very large. Uh, I seen one that was the biggest one I seen was probably about five or six foot tall. And uh, they weren't, I may have been seeing juveniles, but uh, I think it was probably about my fifth or sixth trip, about the fifth or sixth month I've been doing this. I went to the store and and uh, bought some plastic whistles, and I went to a dime store close by that used to be there, and there was a little bag of, I was just looking around for some type of gifts to give them, and I seen these whistles, and they had, I think there was like eight or nine of these things in a little plastic bag, and they wouldn't work very much, but they had a string that would that was attached to every one of the whistles. There's a little red string. And I, hung, I took that back and I hung all those whistles in the trees there, in different trees. I hung those little whistles up. And it was a day or two before I got back. And uh, I sat down. I carried my chair and I sat down fairly close to it. And I had my gun with me. And it wasn't my shotgun. It was a pretty powerful pistol. It was uh, my brother's 357 Magnum, and I didn't want to harm them, but I didn't want to beat them to harm me either. But uh, I sat down in the chair, and I probably sat there three or four hours. It was on a Saturday morning, and I could hear whistles. Honestly, it was it was actually kind of funny. I could hear whistles way off down the bank. Um, I don't know how far down, but just far enough you could barely hear the whistle. But these things were in the woods, and they had taken three or four of those whistles, so apparently three or four different creatures, and they were blowing those whistles all over that wooded area down there. So then I knew they were intelligent. I thought, well, these things are, they're not stupid. They know how to blow a whistle. So um, that went on for, like I said, probably almost, almost two years, and I started going down, I started, I kept going down there, and I even took a friend with me, and he, he, he really didn't want to go, but he didn't, he, he wanted to see one of them, and I took him down there, and we didn't see one that day, but they never came out and came close to me, they were always a good, I guess probably the closest one got to me was 50 yards maybe down that trail, it would come out and look at me, and and just stick his head in and out and just look at me. But uh, I did take a couple friends down there eventually. 
but I'm not sure if one of them ever really seen one clear like I did when I was there by myself. But uh, I started to get, they started to get closer to me. I mean, they, would, they were getting closer in to where I was sitting. And uh, like I said, none of them were large. I don't know if these were just juveniles and there were large ones. I'm sure there were large ones down there somewhere. But uh, I went down there one morning to uh, gift them. Uh, and uh, this is this was like on a Friday. Last time I was down there, it seemed like I'd skipped the weekend. And I went down there, and there was uh, all kinds of whistles blowing that morning. I could hear them blowing. Now, when they heard me in the weeds or the bushes trying to see them, they would stop. But they were blowing these whistles all down the riverbank. Uh, and I'll tell you, if I remember right, I hung up seven or eight of them. I didn't hear seven or eight blowing, but I heard at least three or four at one time. And they were in different areas. You could tell that by the by the noise it was making. And uh, that really was the best thing that I could have ever done because it relieved so much of the fear I had in me. Uh, because I'd lived with that fear so long. And I was realizing this may not be the same type of Bigfoot that I've seen, but it is a Bigfoot. And these creatures don't seem to be they may have been harmful if you got real close to them or one of the bigger ones that come out, but they never tried to harm me while I was down there. They did. I knew they were looking at me. I could catch glimpses of them through the thick underbrush and see them moving around in there, but I couldn't get a real good a real good uh, view of them until they come out on this little trail. So I didn't go down there for probably about a week. I can't remember. It may not have been quite that long, but I went down there one morning, and uh, I was thinking I was getting close enough to where I could possibly get pictures of them. That was my thought. That one of those old Kodak cameras, you know what I'm talking about, where you push the, push the button and the film come out, and it automatically develops. Right Polaroid? Right. When I got there this that morning, this was about a week since I'd been there, maybe a little less. Uh, either the county or the state, or maybe even the sewer plant, had taken bulldozers and all kinds of uh, excavating equipment, and all that area was completely cleaned out right where all this brush was. It was just, I mean, just gone. It was leveled. You could see all types of pieces of trees and everything else they had cut, and I never seen the creatures again. So I don't know if they, I don't know if they took them out knowing they were there or somebody told them they were there or, or maybe the creatures moved on down further. I don't know, but I never seen them again after that. So that was my second time that I encountered one. And you, when you encountered these, it, it sounds like, okay, like you, the first one you encountered was, you said seven years before these other ones? The first one I encountered was November the 6th of 1992. 92. Yeah, this was somewhere around 98 or 99. So it was and, several uh, years later. And, but you weren't afraid of these like you were the first one. Well, I was afraid of them. I was afraid of it at first when I'd seen the, when I'd seen what it was, when I seen that creature kind of squatted down in the bushes and sticking its head out because I knew it was a Bigfoot. So 
that's why I brought my gun back with me the next time. Uh, I, I was a little leery to go down there, but I was at the same time, I, I, I was kind of curious because it didn't look like the creature that I'd seen the first time. Uh, I realized that it was a, I realized it was a Bigfoot, but I didn't feel the fear that I had from the first one. Um, and I really think that that's, that helped me out more than anything I could have ever done because man, I went down there and gifted. I spent a lot of money taking these, these, I took them everything. I took them anywhere from, from fruits to, I found out that they loved bacon. I, I'd take them bacon. They loved it. Um, there were a lot of things I found out about them and they left me things too at times. They leave me a stick stuck in the ground or nothing, no type of thing that it would be, you know, like I left them, but it'd be some type of rocks, couple rocks laying where I was sitting, where I put my chair or a stick in the ground or something. It would, or sometimes some little patterns of sticks, but. Um, I didn't feel fear now, and it, it was a different type of creature. I don't know. Uh, I'm no expert by any means. I've just learned by experience. But it's it was probably, uh, I don't know if they're smaller ones or what. These weren't big. And like I said, they may have been juvenile. I've never seen a large one down there. But they were definitely Bigfoot creatures. They weren't monkeys. They were, they were Bigfoot creatures. Uh, I'm thinking juveniles, the ones that I, that I witnessed. I'm, I'm sure there were bigger ones in there, but I've never seen any of those. Um, they didn't scare me, no. Not, I, I wouldn't say didn't scare me. I was, I was alert and aware, and I, and I did carry a, a large weapon with me, just in case one of them did try to harm me, but, but they never did. Yeah, I'm glad they, glad they didn't. Yeah, I am too. But I, I, I really think you know, uh, if I if I hadn't have done that, uh, having you know, I'm I'm a pretty religious guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a, a devout churchgoer, but but I'm a definitely a, a Christian, and, and and God has done a lot for me, and uh, I, I I truly believe that you know that there was a purpose for me being there. Uh, I know that. It, it relieved so much fear uh, in me that I had all those years. Uh, even though it was a different type of Bigfoot, uh, I didn't feel nearly as scared after going down there for a while because they they didn't try to harm me. and They almost seemed friendly. They almost seemed like they wanted to friend me, but they were scared of me as I was of them. And they would never get close enough. They were getting closer, but they never got close enough for me to actually uh, really see them real well. But I've seen them well enough several times. You know, I've seen them well enough to see what they looked like. And they were nothing like the first creature I seen. What did their faces look like, Daryl? Their faces looked um, more like the, like I said, more like the patty one. Uh, the hair was a, di- a lot different than the first one I seen. It was more, it was more kind of, uh, coarse looking. The hair was, it was more stiff, more like coarse looking. It was not just stuck to their body like the first one. It was more sticking out and it was a lot more hair and 
a more hair looking than the first one I'd seen, where it looked more like fur more than hair. But um, they they just looked different. Their 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 bodies were similar looking, but uh, I know they had uh, their their around their mouth area. I remember that real well. Uh, it was it was different looking. It looked more like lips around the mouth than the first one did. Uh, the first one, it's, it's around its mouth area was so black that it was really hard to see the lips. But this, these had more of a colored type lip around the fur or the, or the hair than the other one did. Uh, and, and their, their, their teeth were pretty similar to a human's too, what I could tell. They weren't. I never seen any uh, canines or anything like that. Any of the ones I seen, but uh, they they looked. Their head was was a, like a taller head than the first one, and uh, the the brow line back was was more like the more like the cone or the or the protruding headline back, like like you've seen in the paddy type creature. And looking these up, this looks like the Actually, it's called the uh, Type 41. I looked up the, the pictures I looked at just a few weeks ago, showing a friend the different types of Bigfoots that I picked that I pulled up. I think it was number 41 and number 44 that looked more like them, which is similar, like the Type One Patty looking one, except the face was was a, a little darker than the Patty one, but the fur was a similar looking to the Patty one. Or the hair, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't laid down like the first one I seen. Like it was dirty or matted, just pushed down. This was uh, more like standing out. Uh, it, it looked like it was more separated. You could actually see skin on these. Well, the first one I couldn't see skin. Except on the hands and area around the face, but it was so dark, it didn't look like skin. It looked like leather. These didn't look like that. Right. So you you mentioned earlier that uh, you ha you also had a dogman sighting. What you think was a dogman sighting, Daryl? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Where it happened? When it happened? And what happened? Well, I actually had a third Bigfoot sighting uh, that was. What made that that's really important to my my Bigfoot uh, because that's what made me stop research. So, um, okay, uh, if, if you want me to tell that, if no, you yeah. don't, I wouldn't. Sure, uh, sure. My, my I started doing a lot of research after after these creatures, and uh, around around two thousand, uh, I did a lot of research and actually formed a three or four team and we went out and in areas and, and people would call me or a lot of, I knew a lot of people around my area. There's a lot of Bigfoot around the area that I live in, in the Robertson County area. Uh, got a lot of calls up that way, but uh, we did a lot of research around that area. Found a lot of tracks, a lot of same type of stuff you find everywhere. But Billy Howell, that's a close friend of mine, that I've known a long time, and Martin also knows Billy too. Billy's just a great guy. He's he became my number one research partner, and 
he's a former uh, state Golden Glove boxing champion. Just always been a great guy, but just tough as a nail. And uh, he and I've been friends for years. And he called me up in uh, 2017, and he said, uh, "Hey, David, a friend of ours, a guy we went to school with." He said, he's got big problems, and he wants to talk to you. And I said, okay, have him call me. And he called me up, and we got together and went down to his place. He lived down in Cheatham County, which is about 30 miles from, from my farm in, in uh, Robertson County, Ridgetop. So he had Bigfoot that were coming to his house, and he lived uh, down in Cheatham County, right next, not far from the Cumberland River, right next to a the backup waters of the Cumber River. He lived right on that. There's actually a swamp off to the left of him uh, where we actually did some research and Billy and I. But Billy had been down there. Uh, this was in 17, 2017. He'd been deer hunting down there and he had a ground blind. And uh, he was hunting one morning right at daylight and a huge Bigfoot walked right in front of his game blind. And uh, David had told him that he had seen him in there, but it scared Billy pretty bad because he was deer hunting, and this thing walked. We actually had a picture of this, and I don't know if Billy still got it or not. We actually put it, if I remember right, we showed a lot of people that picture, and it ended up everywhere. So I don't even know if it's still out there now or not. So we quit putting pictures out because people were claiming they were theirs and they weren't all this and they were our pictures. So, but anyway, to quit dragging on with that. We, uh, Billy and I went down there and, uh, we did some researching back behind his house. He, David, uh, drives a diesel truck and he leaves on, on Sunday, uh, evening and he doesn't get back. He runs from Nashville to New York, and it's a week run to get up there and back, and he's home on the weekend. But his girlfriend lives there in this house while he's gone, and, he's, and these creatures were coming to her house and coming to the house while he was gone and stealing vegetables and um, things off the deck of their house and looking through the window at her at night, scaring her to death. So... He called Billy and I and wanted us to see if we could do anything about it and come down there. So we went down there, and we were down there uh, all the way up to late 2020. But we stayed down there, and we started uh, trying to figure out where they were, where they were coming in at. And we found all kinds of evidence and found a pretty good spot to where they were coming regularly. And we set up a gifting area there and started putting stuff out for them. And uh, we did that for, Billy would go down and put stuff out. And I would go down, we would kind of swap up because it was a pretty good drive for both of us. We didn't go every day, we would go two or three times a week. And they were tasting everything that we had and we found tracks and we found we put cantaloupes out. They love cantaloupe. And actually, we've got pictures of the cantaloupe they eat. Massive set of teeth for these things, a bit of cantaloupe in half. I think it's about six inches across there. But, uh, we, we, they liked that the best and they were 
eat about two pounds of bacon every time we would carry it down there. They liked it. But we were down there uh, several times, and Billy seen, he seen the big one. I never seen the big one. He did. He seen it twice. And David that lived there seen it also next to his garage. The garage is back behind his house, and then it goes into the woods. And off to the left is a swamp and a field in front of it. And then it runs to the backup water to the Cumberland River. <clears throat> but off in that swamp area, Billy and I had found a huge stack of trees they had pushed up on this game trail. And it was just piles of them all the way down through there to a certain area where it made a turn. And there were all kinds of deer uh, hide down there, bones. They had run these deer into this funnel area, and they were catching them and eating them. And uh, Billy found more than I did, but I found quite a few down there. They were This was a regular thing going on. They were eating these deer. And... We the game trail wasn't very far from where we set the gifting station up, and so we started going down there at night. Could be regular. We would go out in the woods behind his garage, uh, probably two hundred yards back to where we had our gifting spot, and uh, we sat in the dark in the middle of the night, and I would. Get one, I'd get about 50 yards from Billy, he'd be downhill, and we had a fleer, and we also had a weapon, both of us, and we heard these things come in regularly. We couldn't see them, it was so dark, but you could hear them bracing limbs, and they were close to us several times, and uh, <clears throat> we did that for just about every weekend. For a long time, and, and I actually did see a female, and I seen a juvenile, and Billy seen those several times, too. Um, but the thing that got me was the more he went, the stranger it got. Uh, the week before, the, the last two weeks that I was, the last two weekends I was down there, um, uh, the week before that, I had called Charlie Raymond, who I uh, knew Charlie, and you may know Charlie Raymond. He's a KB at Kentucky Bigfoot Research Organization. I knew Charlie yeah, I quite a while. And uh, Charlie came down and stayed with us, and he actually brought a friend. He camped there for three or four nights. He stayed there. And they were all around his tent at night. He could hear them knocking over pans and everything else. And Charlie's one of those kind of guys that goes into the woods with no weapon. And they were in the tent. They could hear them, but they didn't go out. And uh, I don't know how many. I don't know how many they seen of them, but they did. They did witness some things. So. The week after Charlie left, Billy and I went down there, and these uh. Uh, we were set up in the woods again. I was at a tree, and Billy was at a tree to the left of me. And over down to our gifting spot, the tree I was at was probably about six yards. And straight ahead of me was a little dip, and it went up on a rise. And I was sitting at the tree, and I seen something that looked like a... only way I can describe it, and Billy would tell you the same thing. It looked like a light bulb 
I mean, I'm talking about it was glowing that white. It looked like a large light bulb. It started, it came down approximately about a hundred yards in front of us through the woods and walked down. It came down on the ground and it was walking right toward me. I watched this thing coming toward me for a good 15 or 20 minutes. It was very slow, but it was moving slowly and it was going like a lot. And it got almost to the tree next to me. It was walking right to me. And I pulled out my gun, and I was ready to fire on it because I didn't know what it was. Well, Billy had a real bright flashlight, and he cut his flashlight on and shined it over there where it's at. And this sounds crazy, but this thing turned into a possum. <clears throat> and I, Billy can tell you the same thing. It went from a glowing light, like a light bulb, into a possum. And then when it did, it turned around and walked back in the same direction of where it came from. And when it rise, we could actually see it moving in the dark. Well, about 30 minutes later, they huge, about, these were about the size of a beach ball, two, two large balls about the size of a beach ball came down from the same area this possum went to, somewhere from in the sky, it came, I don't know, we didn't see it in the sky, we seen it coming through the trees, but it came down and these two balls that were about the size of a beach ball just stopped and hovered about maybe a foot off the ground and they were right next to each other and they were pulsating. You can see like, like lights inside of them hard to explain, but they were pulsating red, orange, and pink. Both of them were. They were right next to each other. So I got pretty weirded out about it. Billy was was feeling kind of strange, too, because we'd never seen anything like this thing. We sat and watched these things for probably about 20 or 25 minutes, and they started coming toward us just a little bit, and then they started going to the left, and they were above the ground. They were going down the hill toward the gifting spot. So Billy and I decided it was time to go. So we got up and went down the trail and went back out to the driveway where our truck, where his truck was parked. And there's a gravel road that goes back around down there that looks over into those woods where we were sitting at. And we drove the truck down there and we watched those balls, whatever they were, we watched them from that gravel road. It's an old gravel road over there that overlooks those woods. And we watched those things go all the way through the woods until they went completely out of sight. I don't know what they were. I've never seen anything like that. But I do have pictures of those. I took about 100 so, pictures of my phone, and I got three or four. But So what you're describing is what other people would call orbs. Daryl? Right. But I've never seen an orb. Okay. Just, I mean, I had an orb that I just did. But, so we, at this point, we were pretty weirded out down there because we didn't know what we were getting into because we had been hearing the Bigfoot but, and, and seeing them in the daytime, but we could hear them moving around, but we had never seen those type things down there. So we went back the okay. next week. 
I was a little skeptical. He was too. We were kind of weirded out by it. So the next weekend we went back and we actually got in his ground blind, the one he seen the Bigfoot out of. We got in it on the ground in the same area. We moved it over to there and got in it. It was about 1130 at night when we got there. <clears throat> then we got set up and about, it wasn't long after we got there. Over to the left of the swamp is, in front of it, there's a field, a, a sage grass field that goes about 300 yards back in there, and then it turns into woods. We heard these, we heard the coyotes coming, a big pack of coyotes, and they were loud. They were really loud. And Billy had a flare, and he was, I would take him look at you, you could see them running. You could just catch parts of the heat when they would get between the sage. And they were barking, chasing something. And then all of a sudden they stopped and it's just like they disappeared. They, they weren't anywhere. I mean, they weren't in the clear. They weren't, they completely quit barking. And then to the left of us next to the swamp, we heard three large, loud tree knocks. Then up to the right on the hill, the right of me, I heard three more tree knocks. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, there was these white, tiny balls about the size of a softball flying in and out of the trees. There was about four or five of those. They were just flying in and out of the trees at a pretty good rate of speed, flying around us and in between the trees, and they would go back into the woods and, and disappear. We were watching those things. Me and him both started getting sick. I felt sick at my stomach, and I don't ever get sick in my stomach, and, and he did too, and I started to get a headache. Then about that time, our vehicles are about 300 yards behind us. Uh, it's a house back there. Um, all three of our, my truck alarm, his truck alarm, and David, the gentleman who lived there, his truck alarm, all three of the truck alarms went off at the same time. And they were loud, you know, like a, you know, how an alarm goes off in a car. And about that time, uh, we heard the lady back there screaming and we took off running back toward the house and these truck alarms were going off and we couldn't get them to stop. We, we actually got in the vehicle started the truck and the truck alarms were still going off. They went off for about 30 minutes, all three trucks. My phone, my cell phone was completely dead. His cell phone was completely dead. My watch had stopped completely. It wasn't even working. And we couldn't, and when we cut the trucks off, we couldn't get them to start back. And on the back of his truck, uh, David's truck, there was a huge handprint, about five big hands, and they were probably about twice the size of mine, big, two big handprints on the back of the tailgate. And uh, we tried our best the next day to get those trucks alarms to go off, all three of us big guys pushing it, we couldn't get the alarms to go off. But that pretty much weirded me out. I didn't care about going down there no more for a while. I wanted to take a break. And like uh, I said, my farm is about 30 miles from there. And I was living at my farm by, by myself at this time. Uh, my, my wife and kids and I, we had split up 
for about a year, year and a half, and they were living in, in uh, another part of the area. And uh, my kids stayed at the house a lot, but my wife had both got in her own place. But uh, I started having problems at the house. I never had problems at the house before. Uh, I got a pretty good sized farm and I've got horses and I've got <clears throat> my house there's pretty large and um, at three o'clock in the morning the first this was about a week after we had seen those orbs and all that the weird stuff that happened about our phones and my watch quitting and all that and um, I don't know what that was about but that was very strange but uh Three o'clock in the morning, something banging on the side of my house. And I'm not talking about just barely tapping on it. I'm talking about it sounded like somebody was trying to tear the wall down. It was so loud. And I got up in the middle of the night, you know, at three o'clock in the morning with my gun and went outside looking and I didn't see anything. And I walked around the whole house. Well, the next night, same thing happened, except it was on the other end of the house. Something was banging real loud on the side of the house. <clears throat> and then it started banging on both sides of the house. This went on for about a week. And it was every night between 3 o'clock and 4.30. It would happen a couple times sometimes. I would walk outside. I wouldn't see anything. About the second week, <clears throat> it was still going on. Uh, then my horses got spooked. They were going crazy in the in my field in front next to my stable. I got up in the middle of the night, went down there with my gun, and they were so scared. They were all the way up next to the driveway and where the fence, where the gate opens. Uh, both of those horses were up next to the fence, and they wouldn't even go toward the stable. And I went to the stable and cut the lights on. I didn't see anything out there. The horses refused to go to the stable. Uh, I moved them to the other field. Uh, after about three days, they was they would never leave that area. They stayed up next to the the driveway, and I moved them to the other field on the left side. <clears throat> and this was continuing to go on. I was getting really weirded out because I didn't know what was beating on my house at, at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I never heard anything like that, and I couldn't see anything or went out there. It would quit and then when I'd go back in it'd be 30 minutes to an hour and it'd start again. So that went on and then I was uh, having coffee on the front porch. Um, I have a big front porch there. It's real long and big wooden plank front porch and I have, I've got a lot of sycamore trees right in front of my house. Big ones and little ones that go into a like a creek bottom before it gets to my barn. And I looked up and the, the sycamore tree that, that had been there a good five or six years, it was probably a foot around. It was up maybe 15 or 20 foot tall. It was a beautiful tree. I looked up and about eight foot up, the whole top of it was broke. And we hadn't had any storms or any other trees damaged. And I looked at it and I thought, well, how did that happen? And I even walked down there and looked and something had broken. You could see where it was twisted. And I couldn't imagine what would do that. And only one thing came to my mind. 
I've got a Bigfoot or something here doing this. That's when I realized I thought maybe I did have a Bigfoot. I know it sounds crazy, and I, it is crazy, but these things have come to my house. So this kept going on, and I was at the point where I couldn't even sleep at night. I did everything I could to catch what was doing it, but I never seen them. So I was, uh, I had about 20 cats on my farm of mother cats. We have kittens. I had 20 or 25 of them. I'd see them every day. Most of them stayed in either the bar or the stable, and I'd have four or five on the front porch. They all disappeared. There wasn't a cat anywhere. And there wasn't any of them. And every morning when I'd feed, they'd come out to get feed, and all the cat food disappeared. The cats disappeared. Uh, the horses are still going crazy at night, even in the other fields. So I moved them up next to the house and tied them off. And they still got spooked, but not as bad. I had a lot of deer at my place uh, that would bed down in my front yard at night. Uh, I, every night, I had a four or five beaver that would down in the front yard. Uh, mainly young deer or, or, or fawns and, and does. Uh, but they'd always sleep in the front yard. I would come home at night and I'd see them laying there. They all disappeared. Didn't see any more deer. <clears throat> uh, started having stuff disappearing around my house. Uh, stuff damaged, like I had uh, a bird feeder broken half. I had uh, the bird feed gone out of it. Uh, I had a pool in my backyard, in-ground pool. The gate was open on it, and the gate's very hard to open. You got to know how to hit the latch right to open it. That gate was open all the time. Uh, just a lot of different things started happening, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was really getting weirded out with this going on. So um, I called a good friend of mine named Michael Patterson, and I started with him. We started Blue Ridge, Sasquatch, and Crypto back five or six years ago together. He still has the group on Facebook and he's in my group and we're close friends, but he had a lot of stuff that happened to him over the years. And I said, man, this is going on. You got any idea what I ought to do? He says, let's call Scott. So he called Scott Carpenter and uh, Scott Carpenter and, and him came up with the idea to rebuke, rebuke my house. I said, well, okay, what do I do? So I went out and rebuked all four corners of my property, and I did all four corners of the inside of my house, and it all stopped. So I haven't researched not researched since, and I, I, I do 100% believe that those things follow me home somehow, some way. I don't know sure. how, but I believe they did. I did find many tracks around my house later on. My whole, my mare had died about a month or two before this all happened. Uh, and I had buried her back there with a backhoe and it was muddy on top of her grave and I'd found tracks in that mud. It was a Bigfoot track too. And, uh, my son and I, after this rebuking, they didn't bother my house no more. They didn't have any more banging on the side of my house. And my kids stayed with me over there a lot of times 
they would come and stay with me at night. And I'd take them to school, and they'd, they'd stay with me on the weekend. I started, I was out playing basketball after all this happened, after it all calmed down. And we have a basketball court that's concrete slab, 25 by 25 with a go. And uh, we were playing basketball right before dark, and I heard a huge tree crash in the woods right right to the right of us, not very far in. It was loud. But any wind blowing, nothing at all. I, you know, I, so I, I thought, well, that's kind of strange. But then we were on the other end of the house uh, about a week later, and another huge tree crashed in the woods, big one. And uh, I got out and went down to the woods after that, looking around. I found all kinds of tracks in the woods. Found tree breaks. I also found looked like or something had pushed those trees down. One of them was dead. One of them, one of them wasn't very dead. So those things are still living on my farm, but they're not bothering my house. And I never had Bigfoot there that I'm aware of. I've been in those woods plenty of times. I truly believe they followed me out. I know that probably sounds crazy, but I believe that. No, it doesn't sound crazy at all. So it's a lot of times when people encounter these creatures they uh they start having problems in their home whether it's poltergeist activity or uh, creatures outside so yeah it's, it's not crazy at all daryl it's amazing what when you say rebuke you rebuke the your the four corners of your house was it a prayer that you said no uh scott uh well scott carpenter so michael michael patterson he said that i need to rebuke i to say these words, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave me and my property alone. And that's what I said. I went to the property. I did all four corners right. inside my home. And, uh, and they told me that it worked about 90% of the time. And, and, and it did work. There was no more banging going on. Uh, no, nothing missing. They were still right. there, though on my property. I, I think it has something to do with those orbs and all that stuff seen those two weeks in a row because I didn't go down there anymore. And, and I, I, that's why I don't research anymore. I, mean, I still, if I got a friend that calls and said, hey, can you come help me? I've seen something. I'll do that. But as far as going in the woods and researching these things or, or messing with them, I'm not interested. Right. I don't blame you. So it's amazing what that name just Uttering that one name can do for for you when, when you're having troubles like this, right? Uh, it it really, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I, Jesus does a lot of things, but it was amazing to me. I mean, it's, right. it, it, went, it went from being it went from being it, it was so scary that my kids wouldn't stay there. All that banging going on. and it was it was so loud. It, it actually it actually shook the side of the house. And, uh, you know, right. it, it wouldn't be anything there. Well, that should point out to a, a, a logical man who is rational. That should point out the nature, the true nature of these creatures that you were trying to uh, interact with and give food to and all that, right? Well, I won't do it again. I learned my lesson with that. Right. So what my point is that if they're just animals... Uh, the name, the name Jesus, would have no meaning to them. 
Yeah, I mean, like if if a lion or a tiger is trying to attack you, I mean, you know, more than likely, you know, just 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 screaming out, you know, like help Jesus, you know. I'm not saying that it wouldn't work, you know, but like most animals, I mean, you know, that they're not they're not aware, you know what I mean? Like like there'll be people that argue that can argue that that's the case, but um more than likely they wouldn't recognize not, the name at all. Yeah, they're not going to they're they not going to they're just they're just animals that live in this physical plane of existence, but a demonic entity is going to recognize Christ right away. I mean, in the Bible and the New Testament, um, they recognized Jesus, you know, in the flesh before he even spoke. I mean, like they knew who he was. I mean, it was like, it was pretty obvious. So it makes me wonder, like, well, I don't wonder, but it makes me think that, you know, these things, obviously they do have some sort of demonic source or root. Okay, folks. So that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, tune into the next episode where I return with my guest and with Barton Nunley. And thank you for listening to PRT. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good night.